Hello everyone, Christian here. You'll have to pardon my voice if it's weird. I have been sick, hence this bonus episode going up a little later than I would have preferred. Um, anyway, you are about to hear the audio from our Ask the Once in Future Nerd livestream that we did last Sunday. The sound has been cleaned up and the conversation has been lightly edited for time and clarity and also to get around the horrendous tech issues we were having. Um, apologies to everyone who tuned in live. We hope you enjoyed the conversation anyway and or enjoyed watching watching us fail. Live streaming is obviously not our bread and butter, but you still tuned in to see a show, and we're sorry that we beefed it so bad with the tech. We will be sure to button it up better next time, um, but video issues aside, we think the conversation was really good and interesting, and we wanted to share it on the podcast feed. So lastly, thank you to everyone who sent in questions, and we hope you enjoy what we had to say. By the way, if you would like to see the actual live stream in all of its chaotic glory, it is still up on our YouTube channel, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Also, make sure to stay tuned after the conversation for this chapter's blooper reel, and I will talk to you then. So yeah, hello everyone, and welcome to Ask the Once and Future Nerd for book two, chapter five. Uh, finally, after all is said and done, we're here with Ian Harkins, who was, of course, the first one here and not the problem with our technical issues. Hi, Ian. No, I'm glad I, my, my good name is cleared. <laughs> <laughs> We're here with Shannon Harris. Shannon, how are you doing? Hey, guys. And, of course, with Christian... Christian T. Kelly Madera. How are you doing, Christian? I am all right. We are, we are here now, and we're doing well. We're here. We're going. Um, I'm Zach. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Ask the Once and Future Nerd, Book 2, Chapter 5. Um, as always, I'd like to start out by saying that if somehow this is your first experience with the Once and Future Nerd. Hello, welcome. We're glad you're here. This will have massive, massive spoilers, so please don't start here if this is your first listening to the Once and Future Nerd. We're going to be talking about the plot that happened in the last chapter, so please pause this, go back into your podcast app, and listen to our whole show. We think it's pretty good. So, that being said, let's talk about Book 2, Chapter 5. Um, a lot happened in this chapter. Uh, Renault came back, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> Nia had herself a whole adventure uh, with the elves and her parents. Our favorite Pennsylvanian kids had a heist and or caper. And finally, at, at long last, we've met uh, some of the, the residents of the lands east of the mountains, which we will just call orcs for now, because that's easier than saying the people of the lands east of the mountains every single time. So, so that's kind of what happened in this chapter. Uh, does anyone have anything they'd like to talk about in particular first, or should we just dive right into it? I'm, I'm game to do Are questions. Yeah, are you asking us? Yeah, no. Uh, you know, give the people have been waiting long enough uh, uh, for Christian to sort out his technical uh -huh. problems. So. <laughs> okay. So let's dive in. Let's let's talk about uh, everyone's favorite undead abomination, Renault Despreet, to to begin with. So so Renault's back. He unfortunately was not destroyed forever. Um. Uh. Christian, who does the the voice of Renault? How do you feel about Renault being back? Um, he's he's so fun to play. I, <laughs> I I hate the character so much, but he's such a delight to play. In the fact, like he he plays to my strengths as an actor, um, which are not many. Uh, like he's not a very subtle character, so I can just kind of 
munch on the scenery and uh and and it's it's fun in that way i'm 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 glad you have fun with him (laughs) um one thing i wanted to point out real quick in this chapter renault interacted with a pair of fishing people and we've gotten some questions uh specifically bruce on our patreon asked about the actors playing the the fisher people and it turns out they are actually a cameo from the podcast wooden overcoats so Christian, do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, um, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, wooden overcoats. Uh, if if you guys aren't listening to that, it's a uh, it's an audio drama sitcom from the UK about uh, a small uh, island in the Channel. Uh, that the inciting incident of the show is they've always had one funeral home that uh, is very bad and has coasted on being. Uh, the only funeral home uh, and now a second funeral home has opened uh, where they're actually good at it and it's about the competition between those two funeral homes Um, it's a it's a really really funny show and I you know great performances all around and as I was writing those fisher those mariners um, I started to realize that I was kind of unconsciously drawing inspiration from two of the main characters um, from Wooden Overcoats. And I had then had to choose to either, all right, do I reimagine these characters or do I just lean into it and see if I can get the two actors to come on the show? Um, so I, I reached out um, to uh, Felix Trench and uh, and Beth Ayer and say, hey, could I, you know, what's the chances we could get a cameo? Uh, and they were they were into it. They liked the script. So we just um, leaned into it and they were uh, a delight to to work with. Uh, and I'm, I'm really happy with how that that scene came out. So, yeah, it was a good scene. I feel a little bad for them for getting attacked by the birds, but that's OK. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, by the way, uh, Discord is suggesting, um, I guess it would be pronounced Tepotolotum, if you acronym the people of the lands east of the mountains. So we could stick with Tepotolotum. Tepotolotum. I, I will try my best to remember Tepotolotum. I'm going to put this in our uh, in our Discord. Stand by. Uh, I will try to remember that. Um. In any case, moving forward with the plot, uh, one of the the features of this chapter were that for the first time in quite some time, both Nia and the Pennsylvanian kids got to be proactively driving the plot forward, which um, was something that we were trying to uh, give them an opportunity to do for a while now. So, but they obviously both did that in very different ways. So would any of our esteemed panel like to talk about that for a second? Uh, well, I found it really exciting to uh, to have Nia kind of come a little bit more towards the center of this, this um, chapter for a few reasons. Uh, one being that we get to see some other aspects of her personality um, in this very sort of high stakes situation that she that, that's happening to her uh, with her parents being detained. Um, and both sort of with the presence of her parents, as well as how she's dealing with it, um, some very specific things are coming out in terms of uh, how her, her upbringing has impacted her um, and the resources that, she's, uh, that she brings to um, the situation that she's in from her background, from her coming from this provincial background and then going to an elite university and then becoming a, uh, someone who's a part of a metropolitan community. Um, and we see her... Um, 
for instance, when she's traveling through the city and, you know, and she's kind of um, code switching, you know, and, and using speaking as her parents would and and behaving in a way that that uh, that's indicative of her background. Um, I thought that was a really great opportunity to sort of to mine those aspects of this character and to sort of bring forth even more so the diversity that you guys have already set up with this world, which is really, really great. It's really uh, neat that we got the opportunity to to see that come out. Um, and it was also really neat to see, uh, for me, the way that even via letter, Nia and her parents interact, you know, like there was um, the little bit of like coded language between in the Nia's parents letter. So it, it's interesting to see how even though they've been so far apart for for years and years, they're still uh, on the same wavelength that they were able to understand each other perfectly well with just a few words in a letter sent across however many miles that was. I thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. And even, um, I don't know how much you guys want to get into it, but the whole process of deciding how she was going to get that message and what it would entail. I mean, there was a mm -hmm. lot of conversation and discussion and trial and error in terms of what we came up with, which was the MNN Mon Monastery yeah, right. Network. <laughs> Is that what we came up with? Um, yeah. All of that was just a really, really fun, rich uh, experience and process. Yeah, there, yeah, I remember there being a lot of back and forth to to figure out exactly how that was was going to work, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm glad with uh, how we landed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it came it came to a pretty interesting spot. I don't I don't want to cut short the discussion on Nia. If anyone else has something to add to that, but otherwise, her go for it. Sorry. No, I I was going to say I love the the you know leaping off of the part two of that question which is about the our three favorite pennsylvanians like uh along with nia i like the the opportunity that they now have to leap in and start to take charge of of their own narrative i mean it was jen who said at the end of book one after the battle like it's it something along the lines of i'm paraphrasing but it's going to be up to us to to get home so um you know, now they're actually, you know, through the use of a fantastic theme song that in no way violates copyright. <laughs> uh, um, you know, taking charge of that in a way that I, I sort of really welcome. They have been, I think, uh, was it Shannon just said, like, they've been battered around by life's events um, up until now. So it's a, it's a good opportunity for them to sort of, like, take control of it I, I mean let's see what happens to nia as well now now we we were up to the bit where she's been curved, curved uh, truth, right uh, uh yes yes uh, so she's being captured so Re relocate has how. just found her yes <laughs> just just to explain to the audience listening we're we're writing of course a little bit ahead of what's actually been released so sometimes we have to double check what's actually public yet yeah exactly <laughs> we don't we don't make it up on the spot and then immediately release it. Yeah. <laughs> as, it as it will amaze people to know. Yeah, so so at the end of chapter five, um, Nia had just returned to her friend Frederick and had found out that Frederick had betrayed her, essentially, and sort of told Reloti that Nia was with him. 
Yeah, and it was. I mean, we'll I'm, we'll get into this more in in chapter six, but um, I think part of what's interesting is that it wasn't even uh, an intentional betrayal. It was just right. Frederick thinking he knew yeah, what was clear. Yeah. what was better for her by going to the authorities when she specifically asked him not to. Um, you know, Frederick is, I think, a well-meaning but patronizing dum dum. Is kind of his uh, defining character flaw. <laughs> yes, and and thank you to the YouTube chat for confirming to us where our yes. own podcast is currently at. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so like what Ian was saying, I find it um, even as we're writing the show, it's clear that no one else is going to prioritize the kids finding a way back home. There's just like, they have so much other stuff going on with them. Nia's dealing with her parents. Now Regan is running from the elves and everyone's dealing with all their new, uh, revelations that really no one else is going to take the time out of their day to look out for the kids. So if they want to find a way home, they're really going to have to do it themselves. One thing, uh, YouTube chat just asked us whether, the heist slash caper was inspired by things like Mission Impossible or more like D&D or where we got that inspiration from. Um, although the music was totally not copyright infringement right. on, on Mission no, Impossible yeah, or however yeah, you want no, to call it. Um, nothing, nothing at all to do with the intellectual property of uh, Paramount Pictures or any <laughs> other Viacom properties uh, or anything like that. But so in in my head, I was picturing more of like uh, the Italian job style movies where you get that or like Ocean's Eleven franchise where you get the voiceover of the action by the people doing it. Yeah. Which I think is hilarious. Um, I I really enjoyed that we were able to write that and I really like the heist and or caper joke. I was kind of pushing for that one a lot. The voiceover voiceover is really fun and I want to take the chance to shout out both... um, well, I want to shout out um, uh, Jared Paul, who who uh, did our, our production recording, as well as like, he's done like most of Wolf Wolf Three Fifty Nine and Time Bombs and stuff. Who like a lot of what's giving you that feel that it is voiceover was literally just the way he mic'd it um, and the way the, the the performers did it in the room, which is essentially just getting up really close on the microphone like this, and you'd be amazed what a, a pronounced difference that can make. Um, and so it was that, and then in post, um, we had Matt Boudreau who mixed the episode, um, and we had some great uh, feedback from from our friends Sarah Shackett and uh, Gabrielle Urbina to try and figure out how we were going to... Because at one point, you've got score, flashback, voiceover, and actual action happening all at the same time um and it was it was an it was it was tricky to get it right but i think it uh it worked so i just wanted to shout out all of the really smart people who helped us pull that off cheers yeah yeah absolutely um Uh, we did have i'm sorry i just wanted to there's a quick question from discord um that i think you can answer probably really quickly zach um from from cat who asks how long had you been planning the garbage joke that's a good question. I think so. The way I did that is I I was thinking for a long time about the general joke in the in the card game that was played mm. that I actually got the idea from this joke from actually playing this card game as a drinking game with a group of friends I had not spent much time with. 
uh-huh. and I realized how quickly the game stops having meaning um, if you don't know the people you're speaking with. So just to, to quickly rewind, it's the game where you hold up a card to your forehead and you can't see it, but everyone else can. Mm-hmm. And they have to, the rest of the room has to give you suggestions as to what your card is. And I discovered that even even with people who live in the same city, grew up in the same city their whole lives, but just haven't spent every day with each other, the game kind of falls apart a bit. So that was when I had the idea to do that sort of joke. And then I literally Googled, like, weird name middle-aged food. <laughs> and and garbage was what popped up. Oh, so that's an actual dish. Yeah, there yeah. is actually something called garbage. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I, I really enjoyed that. We did get a question on the, the subreddit. So if anyone wants to... Uh, I just want to shout out, we have both a subreddit and a fan-driven Discord, so those are two places that people can go if they want to interact How with other fans of the show. do we need? <laughs> All of them. All of them. <laughs> we need okay. every single platform. Why else are we performers <laughs> except for accolades for and adulation? Yeah. <laughs> so, so we got a question on the subreddit from user Bookworm, who... Uh, mentioned that they want to hear Billy's bad singing of the theme song as well <laughs> instead of our really like nicely scored theme song ba, 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 to have Billy doing it very Billy-ish which would be <laughs> hilarious and then they also they asked, asked that I, I want Zach to do it <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know how well that will work um they, they also ask if any other characters or episodes we think would have a theme song. Does anyone have any, any, any good ideas for that? I was thinking, and this may be my own musical biases coming to light, um, but for Regan, I feel like most of Real Big Fish or 90s ska music, <laughs> wait, but especially, wait, especially the song Fuck Everything But Fuck You The Most. <laughs> I Which I think applies. That's gonna be the most controversial thing you've ever said. I, I need to Google that. I mean, no, you don't. You don't. You're wrong. You're wrong. You don't. Where, did, did did '90s ska punk mercifully pass you by, Shannon? Is that? I think. I mean, when he said ska, I thought about no doubt, but that's pro- she's probably derivative. I assume, like, is, no, is she, she was part of. Uh, uh, is this now a third wave ska history <laughs> podcast? <laughs> no, she, no, no doubt was happening at around the same time as like Sublime and Real Big Fish on the on the West Coast, and like uh, what was it? Uh, Catch Twenty Two and Streetlight Manifesto, and who else was on the East Coast? Whatever. We're we're not doing this. Um, <laughs> There, there is that real big fish song. That's a fully joke, but it's real big fish making fun of no doubt for becoming famous. Right. That was the but whole. That was yeah. That was kind of the whole circular firing squad of of third wave ska. That as soon as someone became famous, then they were automatically a sellout. Um, anyway, okay. Uh, I do a lot of times think about uh, Regan with uh, "God Save the Queen" by the Sex Pistols. <laughs> okay. Boy, oh okay, boy. now that my my bad opinions are out of the way, does anyone have any other characters or or scenes they want to or episodes that they think have a theme music? 
chat in YouTube chat is also very upset with me. Just to That's throw that out there. That's going to be so. the worst thing. One of the worst things you've ever <laughs> said. I, I I accept my being wrong. That's okay. <laughs> Say that, but I I I played in a ska band because of course I did. I'm just like it's a nice. matter of like how we interpret our pasts that where where Zach and I differ. <laughs> so what what was the question, Zach? <laughs> so the question is. In light of Billy making a theme song for that episode, does anyone have any ideas for other of our previous episodes or just previous characters who would have a theme song to go with them? Yeah, I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> I'll probably uh, think of it Shannon, after Shannon, Shannon's introduction as a pirate deserves that the the theme song from uh, Master and Commander, the <laughs> the Russell Crowe, Paul Bettany sure. one. Sure. Anybody remember that one? I no. do. Give me a little bit, Ian. <laughs> that, that that you may Google. <laughs> Fine. Um, it's it's like appropriately like it's equal parts inspiring and swashbuckling. Right. Okay. What was the? And what's it again? A master and commander. It's a it's a movie about white people sailing. It's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> master and commander i mean I, I was sort of thinking of you know sort of an appropriate kind of like reggae or reggae influence song but again it's not coming to me right now this is not that yeah this is <laughs> I think, I that would be wild much, if that were if, but... that, if master and commander had a reggae score that <laughs> um, is pointing out that the pirates do already have a theme song yeah, which is pirates, fair yeah That's right yes so that that but, but, doesn't count um Oh, so there's the answer to the question. We can move yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we can move on. And if anyone has any more thoughts or wants to criticize me say, more for right, my opinions. I, I would say, and this is going to be like, everyone's going to yell at me for being basic here. But like, I do think about um, the kids and Born in the USA a lot. Um, oh, okay. Because I've said this yeah. before that like, I think it's it's pretty central to the show that all three of the kids have kind of been in their own ways um, brutalized by America. Um, and that's very much what that song is about, I think. Um, so I some like in my fantasy world where uh, we like have a music budget, um, there is at some point like a, a flashback to all three of the kids kind of going about uh, their lives in Pennsylvania before any of this happened. Um, with with Born in the USA tying it together, I think that uh, is very thematically uh, central. Hey, you want to you want a Bruce Springsteen song? <laughs> Shocking, <laughs> that's I know off, that's off brand for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I just want to quickly throw out there, chat has pointed out that I was apparently saying the word chat with too much of a D and confusing everyone. So chat. my apologies. I am referring to the chat window in YouTube. Chat window. Okay. Um, like you were saying Chad, like a like a dangling Chad? Like right. a hanging or, Chad? Or, or like a person named Chad. Yeah, like a person named Chad. Or they like said the, or like the country. Right. Yes. So I will I, I will think, try to enunciate I think that's a, better. I, I think that's a, I think that's a little bit on them. Like you know, context <laughs> clues can help. <laughs> not, not. I mean, look, the fans are always right, but <laughs> yeah, everybody do context clues. Okay, what's the next question? <laughs> so, so moving on, 
I just wanted to give us a minute to talk for a bit about finally meeting First Snow and the village of, uh, what was that, uh, abbreviation again, Christian? Uh, pl- uh. Oh, no, no, already, great. Uh, yeah, 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 it's, uh, to to uh, Tepotalotum. Tepotalotum. Yeah. The people to the left of the... Yeah, the left, that's it. <laughs> uh, the people to the lands east of the mountains. The people to the lands east of the mountains. Okay, so um, after after all is said and done, uh, we first introduced the existence of the the orcish people way back in, I believe, in chapter one, episode one of book one. Um, we finally learned the 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 twist. We were building up to it for a while, but at the end of book one, we officially learned that they're just people from a different part of the world which hopefully wasn't too surprising for people following our clues and now finally after another five chapters we have actually uh the the camera of the show so to speak has moved over the mountains and we have met for snow um would anyone like to to speak about that for a minute yeah it's like the game of thrones intro where like they pick up from like king's landing and then move all the way it's like oh my god calf now wow um, <laughs> no uh, in all seriousness i i love it i i love getting the chance to flesh out different parts of the world that you know must be there like we have we've instinctively known there must be this land for a while and now we get to see how uh how it functions the we can argue about what to call these people and what acronyms to use, but like th- that's yes, the thing. Like we've we've been dangling this this uh, um, this tantalizing um, uh, carrot, this, this sort of sh- carrot. Yeah, this bright shiny object. Like you know it's there, but now. You've you seen the to, tip of the iceberg. Now here's some more. Now here's more That's of the That's the analogy. That's the analogy. Iceberg. Good yeah. one. <laughs> no, and I mean, I think that um, I, uh, you know, scheduling didn't work out today. I really wish that, you know, um, Riley or April were here to, to talk about some of this. But, um, you know, there's an argument to be made. Maybe, maybe if I went and did this all again, that we would have gotten some of that sooner. Um, I think there is something to be said for like, you know, pull, yanking the rug out from under the audience and having them kick themselves for their for their bad assumptions. But I think there's also, you know, maybe I would have done this sooner. But it's also like, um, there's a lot there that we wanted to. Uh, tread carefully on and make sure we were doing um, respectfully and 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 smart. And I think a little bit. Uh, I, for, I can just speaking for myself as a writer. I think maybe um, I was cheating a little because I was uh, scared to take it on. Um, but oh. I'm I'm very glad that we've got um, some people that we're we're working with now who can uh, you know between our our cast members and our sensitivity readers um, who can help us do this right. Cause it really is a, an important part of the story. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to, to do more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to throw in, there was a question from chat <laughs> who chose the accents for the oh, people. 
Yeah, from Chad, our friend Chad. Chad. Yeah, our friend Chad. Oh, or do you mean like the country? I can't. <laughs> Actually, our friend Chad lives in Chad. There you go. <laughs> Is Chad, Chad landlocked? Chad. Where's, let's see. I, I feel like I knew this in Mao Yuan. In any Is, case, to keep us on track slightly. Niger, right? <laughs> Chad has asked who chose the accents for the, the, to pot a lot of the, the people. And I want to talk about this for a second because this was actually something that we thought a lot about and I hope that it came through a bit is we wanted to have a, a way of showing that these uh, people, when they're speaking amongst themselves, of course, they're speaking in their own language. So we asked the actors to sort of minimize the accent in general when they're speaking amongst themselves and then to accentuate it when they're speaking uh, ostensibly the common tongue as a way to sort of shortcut that, you know, when when people are speaking amongst themselves, they don't necessarily notice their own accents, but when they're speaking a foreign language, they they may tell it. So that was that was something we were trying to accomplish in terms of the specific accents. Christian, do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, and uh, I'm going to stumble on myself a little bit because it's, you know, none of this works it, it perfectly one to one. And it's always a little bit of like, okay, what could make sense in in the world? Um, what, where are your, your cast's strengths and everything? Um, but basically the thinking for me is that, you know, much earlier in the history of of Jordan, there was far less division um, between the peoples east of the mountains and west of the mountains. Um, and then at a certain point in in history, as you know, as the elves kind of uh, imposed their political will on the world, that division became much more um, pronounced. And so, anyone east of the mountains who kind of learned a learned the 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 quote unquote common tongue from did I just say sorry anyone west wait no it's to to autumn is wrong it's to the people to the lands west of the it's to potal to <laughs> yes you are correct okay anyway. this may have been my fault I may have said it wrong okay so <laughs> so if you're if you are to the west of the mountains and you learned um some variation of the the common tongue from the east of the mountains um you would that would have been passed down to you um from kind of an earlier version of that language if that makes sense um and so the idea being that um you know since we're using english as the the common tongue as our one of our big cheats in the show that uh earlier versions of English would have been much more Germanic um, than modern English. And so that's why it's it's kind of a, a German accent. And that's why even though um, Arden and Maguire are um, very Celtic names, when they try to speak um, the common... Uh, there's a motorcycle. Um, Arden has a German accent also because it's a Arnold Schwarzenegger parody, so that'll fits um mcguire has learned the common tongue a little closer to the to the present day um and uh yeah and so it that's the the deal with uh with first snow that when um 
she she learned some version of the of the common tongue passed down from an earlier version where it was much more uh, Germanic uh, sounding. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'd have we'd have conviction in your ideas. <laughs> I, I've assembled I've assembled this whole story with duct tape over the course of like six years, and I never remember what I did smart or not. I also want to add there was a question from from our friend Chad in the chat again. Um, do I don't believe you anymore? <laughs> well. Either that or I invented this question out of my brain, which is also possible. <laughs> but the question is, do these folks have Morse code? And is the system more like a telegram or like semaphore flags? And it is supposed to be exactly like a telegram with Morse code. Yeah, this was one of those. The, the Morse is The way not... that, they, that they communicate through the, the wires, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they didn't just stumble upon the exact specifics of of Morse code, but yeah, that's the idea. It's like it's shorts and longs over the the wire. Yeah, and part of the idea, again, with the whole uh, sort of subverting expectation things, is a lot of the whole first book when we were only hearing about these people from the rumors on the Jordan side of the mountains. We hear all about how like sort of primitive and barbaric these people essentially are. So we really liked the idea of uh, pulling the rug out from under the audience again by like, not only are they not primitive, they've developed way better technology in some cases than the the people we've been following have. So we really liked the idea of giving them telegram or telegraph, which I don't completely know the difference actually yeah. between telegram and telegraph. As a as a complete contrast to like our main party, who's having to f- figure out how to like intercept pigeons and things to send <laughs> messages. Right. Yeah, so I, I thought that was an an interesting thing. Um, Chat has also asked if this was influenced by Lewis Ryle. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know who that is. Has anyone heard of Lewis Ryle by any chance? I have not. Well, so no. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> this is clearly someone we'll have to look into, so so thank you for that. But um, we were not directly influenced by, by Lewis Ryle, but thank you. Hey, sick future Christian butting in here. I looked him up. Louis Ryle was a Métis politician in Canada in the mid-1800s. He was a founder of the province of Manitoba and led two rebellions against the Canadian government. Um, Obviously, his particular story did not come up in our preliminary research for this chapter, but a lot of similar stories did, and I have put a link to his Wikipedia entry in the show notes. So thank you to whoever brought him up in the YouTube chat. Um, I want to say it was Audrey, but I'm not 100%. Um, whoever it was, thank you again. Uh, moving on from the specifics of the language and the technology, we are going to hear a lot more from First Snow coming up soon. So we're very excited to share that. But from what we've seen so far, um, would any of our panel like to add anything else? Oh, uh, I I love First Snow. And I, I love the character from like as soon as I started writing her, uh, so I'm very excited um, to. Uh, I'm very excited to keep exploring that. I mean, and this this might seem a little sort of on the nose or obvious, but I mean, it's just it's nice to have 
um, a spotlight on a society that is matriarch driven um, and yet another strong young woman identifying uh, character and voice to follow. Um, there's a really, uh, there's a really interesting and in-depth question um, from Discord that ties into what um, we were saying about like whether we should have uh, done the stuff with with, with um, the people in the West sooner. Uh, boy, that's that's not so bad, huh? The people in the in the West, maybe. People in the West is okay. Um, but there's um someone posted on our um subreddit uh a a while ago uh like about a year ago um about the uh the 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 danger of a single story um uh from from a ted talk and like basically about it's like i think it's it's too much to go all the way into um here but it's it's basically the criticism of like you know the danger of we're only hearing about uh first we're only hearing about orcs based on rumors from their oppressors and then we're only hearing about them um kind of as as victims um and that's like i think it's a fair criticism and i think my my answer to it is is kind of what i what i said before of like i i wish i had been in a place to to deal with it um sooner and, and kind of diversify that that story um but we're gonna we'll um we'll post that that thread and the 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 link to the to the ted talk um in the in the show notes because i think it's um it's really interesting question and a, and a fair criticism oh so so mm-hmm. you're saying someone in real time just emailed and sorry or or messaged and said that you know put forward this question or this uh this yeah, issue? they, they kind of re, re-upped a, a thread from our from the subreddit uh, that's about a year old that we you know we we talked about at the time, um, but uh, yeah, um, I think it's a, I think it's a really good a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think there's something to be said for like setting them up to knock them down, so to speak. Like, yeah, I I know it's a tough like. I, I fully understand the risk of if you just set it up and then fail to knock it down, like the time in which you're just setting it up can be challenging. Right. But I think there, like, there's something also to be gained um, in terms of um, sort of you get more of an impact to your audience in how strongly their expectations are subverted if you've allowed them to be built up a bit. Yeah. would be my argument. And I know there's a line between like, well, how long do you let that draw out? And it's very possible we still drew that out way too long. But I think right. there is some argument to be made about that. No, I mean, I think there's a, like, because when we started writing this, uh, which people are now reminding me is um, close to seven years ago, somehow, um, I you know, my favorite novel uh, of all time is Catch-22. And I love the way that, um, that book really yanks the floor out from under you, kind of the way your sayings that were like stuff that you thought was genuinely hilarious in the beginning when you read it and you were clearly meant to think that you start to realize as the book goes on, it's like, oh, these are, this is like people coping with trauma in the best way they can. And it's like, it really, it hits you in the gut when you finally realize everything that they've um, that the characters have been through. And I, and I remember that being um, really effective, the way that that book, like, 
basically made me feel some level of uh, of shame for the assumptions I had made going into that. Um, and so I think when we first started planning this story, that is what I was trying to, to replicate. Um, but there's, I think that there is a fundamental tension in terms of um, who is this story for? In the sense of like, is this meant to be your quote unquote um, typical, you know, high fantasy audience, you know, like um, an adolescent white man? um, Or is it for is it for people is the story for people who have been excluded from kind of fantasy and and its subculture until now or is it for people who have been in the subculture and maybe haven't thought critically enough about that subculture and i think there's always been a tension in the show of like a little bit wanting to do both um and i'm i'm still not a hundred percent sure uh that it's possible to do both but i think both are valuable so we're keep we're going to keep trying. Uh, and I guess when we're done with this thing in 12 years, uh, you know, people can decide whether we succeeded or not. Well, if, if, if I can jump in, I, I yeah, without please. knowing the full context of the thread that you're referring to, but kind of um, having read it from the beginning in order to jump in and be a part of it as a writer, um, it sounds like what you're saying is you, like you introduced the, the characters, like you said, from the perspective of, what the oppressors have to say about them. And then you uh, shine a light on the actual sort of victimization that they experience. But then in this past chapter, in this chapter, you shine a light, shine a light on the people themselves. Right. And I think that, you know, that is a realistic sort of uh, paradigm or sort of experience, particularly in, the 21st century uh, in terms of revisionism and revision, revisionist history, you know, that that is very often how underrepresented or so-called minority people um, have kind of been historically treated, you know, mm-hmm. that, that very often narratives, um, particularly when they're not written by the people themselves, do come at it from those two angles. And so you have a, a situation, thankfully, you know, where more voices are being added to the canon and people are being able to sort of represent themselves um, and or have more sympathetic representations of them, even if they are from people who aren't within mm. the community. And um, and so it, there's this sort of meta thing that seems to be happening with this show in terms of what's happening out sort of in the world and in general and across various sort of entertainment and media industries. Um, and, and as someone who's, uh, you know, a person of color that's new to, the genre that's new to the sh- that will not well that's new to the genre. For t- you know, I've been writing for the show and involved for two years. Right. New to the genre, n- relatively new to the program. I do feel like you're doing both of those things. I feel like, and that's actually what has appealed to me about being involved in the show and staying involved in the show is that I do feel like you are both trying to uh, to give a voice and include the voices of you know people who might not readily be a part of this audience or part of these narratives. And at the same time, the audience, the sort of built-in audience that you have, you are trying to help to expand their capacity, um, you know, for for other voices and perspectives and the nuance that's involved with that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so from that standpoint, I think that, that, that you're, you're on the right track in the very least. And, 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 you know, one of the first conversations that you and I had about this is that, you know, nobody gets it right 100%, 100% of the time. But I think that when you, when you really have, when you're committed to having the different voices at the table and, and empowering those voices to really be a part of the thing and really, you know, vital in shaping the thing, you're going to be moving in the right direction. Well, so I'm always glad to hear you feel that way, Shannon. And also, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the benefits of having such a such a long standing project is like the the show has room to learn. You know, it's not like kind of like if you wrote like a movie, it's like that's you got to cram everything you think you understand right now into two hours and then it's kind of fixed, you know, and, and having this this long show where the characters can grow and learn as the writers grow and learn, I think is, um, you know, I as much as I'm like, why did I start something so big? I don't know how else, you know, you know the story gets told without the expanse of time, you know? Yeah. And there is, I think, a flip side to that, which, I mean, the pacing of our show is what it is, but I think some of our pacing gets a little bit, um, it's sort of, uh, we forget how drawn out this show is, because we could say something like, you know, okay, we'll show, you know, this perspective for two chapters, and then we'll invert it on its head in the third chapter. And that sounds like it's pretty quick, but in the real world, that could take us a year and a half to actually release Right. So, right. That, yeah, that can it, it, it boggles my mind that like what we the, the span of the show has been what just a few weeks like it, the show itself in right. real time has been what a, like a month or something something or, like that yeah it? maybe like five yeah. six weeks <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we go so we're doing about a week a year at this point point. <laughs> and the fact that when you said when you said you've been on the show for two years i kind of like melted into my chair for for a moment isn't that why, like the spring of twenty seventeen, the spring of twenty nineteen, the same thing? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right, we got to move on before I I just turn into the the guy at the end of Last Crusade. <laughs> so so moving on real quick. Uh, those were all really interesting discussions. I though. think I get that reference. <laughs> um, we had a few questions about character appearances in this chapter. Um. Between Madame Bailey describing the appearance of Gwen and Arlene, and also from Relotit trying to describe the the people she's looking for, the audience actually received more visual information about the characters than they had in a long while. So we got some questions on Twitter about this from Jess uh, asked many of these questions. So thank you, Jess. Um, so how much? So when and how do we as writers decide the character's visual appearance? And then also when we're writing, how much is visualizing the character a part of the writing process? Or during the acting steps, how is visualization of the characters part of the acting process as well? I sort of combined three questions all at once yeah. there. So feel free to break it into pieces if you'd like. Yeah, and I'm going to let the performers go first. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great series of questions. Um, when I yeah, Shannon, why don't you answer the question? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start. Uh, if 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 I'm if I'm frank, you know, I I think that uh, 
you know, the two characters that I, that come to mind for me are Ren and Mildred. And quite frankly, uh, you know, I just sort of see myself, you know, uh, sort of a, 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 an iteration of myself that is, um, uh, that is connected to the character as it's written and or developed. Um, and, uh, but, you know, interestingly enough, uh, someone uh, created, uh, I think maybe, maybe Jess actually, uh, there was a fan art, you know, someone who created fan art of Ren that I thought was like so spot on. It was, it's dope. Mm. Um, as well as this, this poster that we had uh, for this chapter, you know, has a picture of Mildred and Ben, which I also feel are, is, is pretty spot on. So um, I, I, I'm sort of rambling here a little bit, but I guess the, the, the short answer is in terms of, you know, when I'm developing a character, I'm thinking through um, what, what, what we develop and what's said about the character, in the same way that I build a character outside of a voice uh, acting mm -hmm. um, environment. You know, what's said about the character, um, you know, how does this person speak? Where are they from? All of that. And I essentially use myself as a vessel, you know, for that, for that person and kind of channel parts of myself that work and the parts that don't, you know, sort of, you know, I, I, I don't use. Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of, and then I guess I just fall back on, you know, the fan art that comes <laughs> and going And going forward, when I'm thinking about the characters and when, I, when I'm performing the characters, uh, <laughs> th those, those images will pop into my head and I can kind of incorporate that as well. <laughs> yes, to everyone listening out there, you we've been waiting for you to tell us what they look like. They've <laughs> already the Discord is uh, when when you said the fans are always right, they just now now they're insisting that elves have fur, which they've been doing for a while as a very bad head cannon, but now they're saying it's canon now because we said the fans are always right. So just don't See what you did, Ian. No, well, but then Shannon, it, you know, to be oh, fair, you yeah. just said that you looked uh -oh. to fan art for inspiration. So watch out now. That's R.I.P. your mentions, I guess. Yeah, so just to jump ahead for a second, because we did have a question about this. Um, a lot of people on the Discord were asking if the cast and crew see all of the, both the sort of artistic fan art as well as the uh, more meme fan art that they all create. It's <laughs> a very so, diplomatic way. To... Um, I will say... Can, can, people, can people see us as well uh, right now? I'm, I'm assuming yes. Uh, yes, if they're on YouTube, yeah. Which is why I haven't stood up, so you can't see I'm wearing no pants. Uh -huh. um, yes. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I think, so just so that if you can see us, Christian is, is burying his face in his hands proving <laughs> that the answer is no. Um, <laughs> so, no, I think... We, well, I, I haven't seen very many, uh, other than sort of what... what uh, I think sometimes Christian will uh, retweet them in his in his Twitter feed. I'll see things there um act, but i don't know that i've seen any actual oh no there was a <laughs> no no hang on there was a point there was a point where um i think there was a, a campaign going on and people were creating oh memes. yes I yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. a few of those. that was all really nice and, and oh, sweet no, hang on hang on hang on you have no idea how boyishly excited christian was <laughs> at seeing all of this fan art come out when it first started to and how he would share it with everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I think connecting it all though together, I think 
from with 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 the main characters definitely i think that we have actually had a very i at least have had a, had a clear idea of what it is they they look like the the fan art has sort of been like oh yeah no i can see how that works but uh, i i kind of enjoy letting uh sort of physical traits uh go sort of drip by drip if you know what i mean mm. um mm-hmm. yeah just let's imagination take over a little bit and i don't think that any of them are sort of i i don't think that there's been anything sort of like massively surprising like you know and and um, you know, n- nobody said, and it turns out Sir Brennan was a ginger, like nothing <laughs> like that. But he might have been when he was young. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yes, okay. Way to throw a wrench in Ian's point there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, I, I think that I remember having like conversations like, again very early on back in the day of what what it is that they might look like uh or or sort of getting into specifics um i think especially with the main characters we've been with them long enough that we can sort of understand what they might look like how they might dress and so we've we've just sort of let these images that we've all agreed on come into the writing mm-hmm they're all nodding. Everybody just yeah, yeah. Well, they're all nodding. <laughs> well, there, is, there, is, there is the logo that has proving all, I'm right. There, there, there's the logo that has all of the main characters in in it. So I definitely envision those, you know, those physical traits for those characters. Right. But as we introduce people who are not in that sort of logo, you know, you know, you do sort of think through. Okay, well, what exactly does that person look like? And yeah. Can I give mm-hmm. um, kind of like a, 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 a crass and cynical answer? Not even cynical. I'm just like, if I'm being honest, I fix in my mind as much as I have to for the character to to make sense. Like anything that is immediately important to the character, that's like, mm. that is fixed in my mind. And then beyond that, I kind of, I, I leave myself room honestly because maybe you discover something interesting as you're going and like we don't have to show them yet we don't have to draw them yet so why not leave yourself the the room i I, like i'm not the i'm not the type of writer who like as soon as before i start writing a character i know like their 20 favorite songs and you know what they had for i know like some people are and i i totally see the the value in that that's just like not me so i kind of i think i fix in my mind what is is necessary to to get the character started and then i leave myself room to discover beyond that Mm -hmm. and then just to add for for me and maybe this is not the typical way but i rely when i'm writing i rely on the the voice more a lot more than i rely on the visual and that's not necessarily the actor's voice until the actor starts taking it over if that makes sense mm-hmm. so when when we're writing a new character i i need to have a voice in my head and hear like i have to actually hear a character saying the things that i'm writing as i write them and then 
once we hand that over to the actors and the actors actually perform it. Of course, the voice isn't the same, but then my writing voice sort of morphs to match now the actor's performance of it. And it sort of becomes a, a feedback loop to me, at yeah. least. Um, I'd like to, as an aside, the YouTube chat was trying to justify the elves are furry thing, and I don't <laughs> even want to go there. I, I'm not going to to justify your justification. I won't. I won't. I won't deny your your this. personal justification, but I'm not going to justify it either. <laughs> um, Ian, at one point we got a question. Uh, someone said that maybe at some point. You had said that you've made your own, or the cast has made their own Once in Future Nerd memes or fan art. Is this a thing that you remember? Oh, uh, but that was that was for intramural sharing. That was that was not to be made public. That is that, that is not canon. That is our taking the piss, as my people would say. <laughs> that's that's very I, fair. Uh, did I did I talk about that? My God, well, I'm, I feel like I'm disappointing you, Internet. I feel like it might have come in the writer's room uh, group chat at some point, which, like you said, is kind of an inside thing. Well, I mean, I've I've said a load of things on a lot of chats. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. Well, I'll just leave it at I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I don't remember what I said. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Internet. <laughs> I wish I, I, I wish I did know. Entire internet, he's sorry. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I'm <laughs> sorry. Now we've got it on tape. Well, I'll, I'll leave this whole fan art discussion with um, if anyone is interested in uh, listeners or us on the chat, um, there is a fan run Discord. Uh, we don't run any of it at all, but there are a lot of um, legitimately amazing artists making really incredible fan art that gets posted there. There's also a lot of memes and hastily drawn paint images there as well. But if anyone would John like to Mulaney see with these, elf ears. yes, um, a, a lot of Guy Fieri based stuff as well. Um, uh-huh. If anyone is interested in this, you can go to our website, onesinfuturenerd.com, and there is a tab on the top called discuss and you should find a link to the discord so if anyone is interested in that i will uh point you in that direction and you should have you should be able to see sort of the best of both the artistic and the memes yeah and we have there's one channel in that discord that um zach and i uh participate in from from time to time um and uh, and the rest of it we kind of leave as a place for the, the 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 fans to discuss outside of our you know awareness necessarily. Yes, and while we're on the topic of art, one thing I just want to add really quick. Um, this should pop up on the YouTube in a second. We for this chapter for the first time we commissioned exclusive chapter specific art, and so this art was created by. Uh, John Flanagan, who is our, our official artist for the show, and he's an incredible artist, and he made this really cool poster. And to shamelessly shill for a second, if you are a patron of the show on Patreon, you will shortly be receiving a copy of this for, depending on which tier of patron you are, you will be receiving a copy of this in the mail. So it is incredible for those who asked. This art was drawn by John Flanagan. If you are interested in learning more about John Flanagan. Um, His portfolio is at 
jgrayflanagan.myportfolio.com. So please check it out. Support John. He's awesome. Moving moving forward from this, um, we've discussed the artwork. We've discussed the character's canon appearance. We received one question about the the dream sequences, which have been popping up occasionally. Um, and Zach, would you rather, just because we've got some hard outs coming up, um, would you rather do that or, um, like, process and, and team staying together and stuff? Oh, that's a good point. So let's just say short answer for the dream sequence stuff. You will learn more eventually. We'll leave it at that for now. Um, let's talk a little bit about the process. We got a question on Twitter um, asking, how has the team managed to stay together so well over the years? And how have we kept the same writing style together over the years? And I thought this would be something interesting to discuss, particularly because Ian is here and Ian has been working with us for six, seven years now. And Shannon, although two years is a long time, you're still the relative newcomer. So I wanted to hear. Uh, I like both. how two years we still treat her as the rookie in the well, group. No, now we got, well, now we got Riley in April, so we got new rookies. Um, I mean, my, my short answer is uh, is Christian and Zach. That like, whatever happens, there's the two of you as the mainstays behind it. Um, was the question how how do we not get tired of it? <laughs> Well, that well, can be how, part how, of it. How has it remained cohesive? That's the that's the impression. Oh, how has it remained yes. cohesive? Well, because, I mean, we all do. Like, all of us get to go off and and do other things as well. We're all involved in other projects, other studies. But this is something that we keep on getting to to come back home to excitedly. It's it's not. It's not something. I mean, unless you're you're Christian and Zach, it's not something that you spend every waking moment considering. Um, no, 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 but but like when but when we do all get together again, we can throw ourselves into it, and it's that it's that feeling of coming home back to this thing we've created that is sprawling and gargantuan, and where will it ever? When will it ever end? Twelve <laughs> years from now. And that is where the tech crapped out on us, folks. Um, We hope you enjoyed the conversation up to that point. Want to let you know that we are in the studio for Chapter 6 in June and July, so I'm hoping we'll be able to have a premiere in maybe August or September, uh, but we will announce it when we can commit. I will say that barring catastrophe, the wait between Chapter 5 and Chapter 6 should be much shorter than it was between Chapter 4 and Chapter 5. Now, before I play you the bloopers, I want to remind you about Plus One Balms. Plus One Balms are everything you need to level up your charisma or boost your skin's armor class. They're great as a beard bomb or an aftershave for any non-bearded folks. And if you go to plusonebalms.com slash T-O-A-F-N and enter code T-O-A-F-N at checkout, you will get 10% off your order and help support our show. Again, that is plusonebalms.com slash T-O-A-F-N, discount code T-O-A-F-N. Okay, enjoy the bloopers, and I will talk to you soon. Frederick, what's... what's new? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, um, no, not much. Just chilling. Gwen saw Arlene's face turn red more crimson and had to suppress a giggle. Because they've done it, you know. Get it? Does everyone? Do, yeah. Does everyone get it? Yeah. Okay. 
I spit all over the paper. <laughs> um, I think it should be nor, but I'm not certain if that's right or whether it matters. I think it's fine. Okay. No one who's who listens to this podcast is going to be clever enough to pick that up. All right, I'll make sure. I mean, the people who listen to this, like, the people who have to listen to this podcast are, like, incredibly lonely, fragile people. And so, I mean, they're not going to pick a fight with, you know. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, keep going. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, if because if, if you listen to this, right, it's a fantasy serial podcast, and so you have to, like, give it your, your attention. Uh-huh. And to do that... A lot in your life has to be going wrong. <laughs> because who has time for that, right? right. I mean, if you're a, a fulfilled person, you know, you have family, you have loved ones, you have places to go, things to do, uh-huh. like even a grocery list. But no, I mean, if you're listening to this, like, I mean, the world has given up on you. Right, some, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah I mean, you agree. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, But for example, I listen to this. Hey, Christian. Uh, this is me at my home setup. See what it sounds like. All right, I'm gonna read a thing that's from Incorrect Once a Future Nerd Tumblr. <clears throat> oh, spare me the sanctimonious lecture. You never cared about me. In the words of one of my actual friends, you're basic. It's a human insult. It's devastating. You're devastated right now. So there's that. Mind the water, it's a bit chilly. I've been run down. I've been lied to. Don't know why. That mean woman make me a fool. Took all my money. Wrecked my new car. Now I lose one of my good time buddies Drinking in some cross-town bar Sometimes I feel Sometimes I feel Like I've been tied To the women post Tied I'm a free thinker is what I am